0: There is a number. Only a handful of people know the number, but millions of people want to know it. Because if they know it, they can make a lot of money. How do you keep that number secret?
1: You put locks on the doors of your office. You install a safe. You swear everyone who knows that number to secrecy. Don't talk about the number. Don't tell your husband, your wife, your kids, nobody. But what do you do about the trash? Do you let the trash collectors in?
0: Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum.
1: And I'm Caitlin Kenny. Today is Friday, August 3rd. On the show today, the story of that number and the lengths that people will go to to protect it.
0: The number is the indicator of all indicators. Actually, numbers. We're talking about the jobs numbers here. How many jobs did our economy add or lose? What is the unemployment rate? These numbers are out today. They come out every month, usually on the first Friday of the month. And everyone is watching. People who just want to know, is our economy getting better? People wondering, will I be able to find a job? And, of course, it's not overstating the case to say that most of the financial world stops and looks when these numbers come out.
1: One of the people watching is Robert Pavlik. He's chief market strategist at Banyan Partners, an investment firm here in New York. you got to have at least a million dollars to invest with them. He showed me the computer screen he stares at while he's waiting for the numbers to come out.
2: On a negative report, the numbers are all red.
1: So when you say all red, that means they're down, right? Down.
2: Red is bad. Green is good. (laughs)
1: When the numbers come out, the markets go crazy. He says the jobs report is huge in his world.
2: That news is the news of really the month. Because without jobs, we don't have jack. We don't have growth in the economy. We don't have retail spending. We don't have... Home buying. We don't have folks looking for jobs, and of course, you know we're seeing sort of all that played out right now in the overall economy.
1: If you knew this number in advance, it would be easy to make a lot of money. Good jobs numbers mean the economy might be getting stronger. The stock market might go up, so you could just buy some stocks. And if the numbers are bad,
2: look,
3: if the market's going to go down two percent in ten seconds, and you sell before everybody else does, then uh, then you've just made a lot of money.
1: Mike Shea works on Wall Street for Direct Access Partners. His company trades for big pension funds and hedge funds. How much money could you make? Well,
3: I I guess it would depend on how much money that you could put to work. If you had millions or billions, I suppose you could make millions or billions.
0: Now imagine what would happen if these numbers somehow leaked out. Actually, you don't have to imagine because it happened. It happened to this guy.
3: I was in my office. It was oh, maybe 8 o'clock in the
0: morning. This is Ray Stone. He's an economist at Stone and McCarthy Research Associates. And back in November of 1998, it was a Thursday, the day before the job numbers were due out, Ray was being nerdy. He was poking around at the Bureau of Labor Statistics website, and he stumbled on this thing he hadn't seen before.
3: There was just a tab saying analytical tables uh, and had a little new button next to it. And I clicked on that and up came a page that had October payrolls.
0: And did you think that's weird? The October payroll numbers aren't out yet.
3: Yes. Now, (laughs) I was thinking, what do I do with this?
0: Ray's first thought was not actually, I'm going to make a billion dollars. He's an economist and a forecaster. And he said the actual thought that was running through his head at that moment was, hey, if that number is, is right, if that's really the jobs number, then shoot, I got my forecast wrong. Maybe I should change my prediction so I look really smart. Then he talks to a colleague who says, you should tell people what you found.
1: I got to say, the BLS is so lucky that this is the guy who found the numbers. Out of this sense of economic duty, he decided to call the Bureau of Labor Statistics and let them know, hey, do you know this number's out on your website? And you know how in spy movies when someone's trying to get through to the FBI or the CIA to report a plot against the president and they keep getting put on hold and they just can't get through? Yeah, that same thing happened to Ray.
3: I asked for a a fellow I knew at the time and sadly he was in a meeting (laughs) and uh, I asked for uh, his assistant and he too was in a meeting. And I explained to the woman I had on the phone that uh, this was a very important call. And I I pressed the woman, I said, I have to talk to somebody, this is important. And she uh, transferred me to a fellow and I, I said to him that I think I found the payroll numbers. And the impression he gave me is, come on, that's you, you couldn't have. And I said, well, click here, click here, click here. And up came the page that I was looking at. And it was as if it came loud and clear through the phone. Oh, no, this couldn't be.
0: Ray tells the guy, look, I have to let our readers know about this. I mean, some big hedge fund might have already found this out already. The people who pay us for research, we have to let them know. Ray says to the guy, I'm going to give you like five minutes And then I'm going to let the world know.
1: So he waits. And he waits. He waits a little longer than he promised, just in case the head of the BLS wanted to call him and try to convince him not to do it. But he didn't get any calls. So he put the numbers up on his website.
3: And it went out over our site. It went out over the Bloomberg network. And the phone started ringing immediately.
0: This was a huge day for Ray Stone. He was on three television networks. The Bureau of Labor Statistics ended up releasing the jobs numbers at noon that day, a full day earlier than planned.
1: The inspector general looked into the incident and published an 81-page report full of recommendations for how to prevent this kind of thing from happening again.
0: All right. With that story as backdrop, Caitlin, you went down to the Bureau of Labor Statistics to see how they do it today.
1: Yes, I did. But I have to tell you, just getting into their building was really hard. I called up the BLS press officer, Gary Steinberg, and I said, hey, I want to come see how you guys do your thing. When can I come? And he said, well, you can't come this week because we have a release. You can't come the last two weeks of the month because we're on lockdown.
0: On and then, lockdown?
1: Yeah, on lockdown. When the BLS is collecting and analyzing what they consider to be economically sensitive data, they go into what's called lockdown. And that means they don't allow any visitors in their building. So basically, I was talking to Gary, and he said there was just one week during the month that I could come in. So that's when I went. But even once I got inside, there was still a lot that was off-limits. Like, I met Megan Barker. She's an economist at the BLS. Here's what happened when I asked to see her office. So can we see where, where you work? I can't let someone who doesn't have the right clearance in. What if I didn't have the microphone? Could I go in? No. <laughs> and it wasn't just me who couldn't go in. Her coworker, Karen Kasanovich, another economist here at the BLS. It was a no-go for her, too.
0: I'm not allowed in Megan's office suite at this moment.
1: Even with 1,500 people in here, not everyone has access to our suite. And even people within our suite don't have access to certain parts of our suite. So that's just the first level of defense. Did you catch that? The first level of defense. The ladies explained to me that Megan's office suite is under lockdown. Unless you have related work inside, there's no getting in.
0: Wait, but suppose I dress up as as like a trash collector. I'm like, hi, sorry, need to come in, just need to get the trash.
1: Yeah, they're already prepared for that. Karen told me they don't let the trash collectors in.
0: There is a giant trash can at the door to each of our offices and and everyone seems to be fascinated by the fact that economists do have to take out their own trash for at least one week a month. What if I say I'm the IT guy? That's what happens in the movies. Like, I got to fix your uh, printer toner cartridge.
1: Nope, not happening. If you have computer problems, they have to fix them themselves.
0: All right, so you couldn't get into the room. Can you describe at least what's happening in the room?
1: Right. So in this top secret room, it's basically a bunch of economists with computers and spreadsheets. They've got data from thousands of businesses and people around the country. They talk to about 60,000 households and about 140,000 businesses and government agencies.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot. The government's obviously a big employer. Does the Bureau of Labor Statistics ever call up itself the bureau of labor statistics and say hey how many people do we have working here
1: you know i asked and again it was pretty secretive is the bls in it i mean are you part of the data can i say that
0: yeah right yeah we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to comment we're eligible to be included in the survey like all other businesses and government organizations but who is and who isn't in the survey is not something we can comment on
1: That was BLS press officer Gary Steinberg and the other economist, Karen, jumping in to tell Megan that, no, she couldn't tell me.
0: So they calculate these numbers, right? They know them before the rest of the world. How early do they know these numbers?
1: So Megan Barker works on calculating the number of jobs gained or lost in the previous month, and she knows this number on Tuesday.
0: That's three days before the rest of the world knows, right? She has the secret.
1: Yeah, and basically she just has to be super careful because she knows the real number. Now but, she's
0: dangerous, right?
1: Right. She can't hint at it. She has to be careful. She doesn't let it show somehow. We keep it very secret. I know my parents ask me every Tuesday, so what do you think? And I'm like, well, what do you think? So, I mean, I, I even have to be secretive with my parents.
0: <laughs> First rule of working at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, don't talk about the Bureau of Labor Statistics.
1: At least not until 8.30 on Friday.
0: So take me to the day of the release, right? It's Friday morning. The sun rises over Washington, D.C. Journalists arrive at the Labor Department building. And this is a particularly delicate moment because before the rest of the world gets the numbers, the Bureau of Labor Statistics shares them with like the most dangerous, worst people you could share the numbers with, journalists, (laughs) right? Because journalists, their job is to be first, to blab about what they learn as soon as they can to the world.
1: Yeah, people like us. And there's very strict rules for journalists who want to learn the number early. When the journalists arrive at the Department of Labor, there are these lockers. They have to put all their personal belongings in, their cell phones, their laptops, all that kind of stuff gets locked up. And then they have to sign this form saying that they promise not to speak a word about the report till 830 And then at exactly 8 a.m. they get led into the separate room. And that's where the report with the numbers in it actually gets handed to them. The BLS also has economists on hand to answer their questions and they start frantically writing.
0: All right. So the moment is approaching. We have minutes to go now. What happens?
1: What happens next? 828. There's three TV networks who get to go in the lockup. And their reporters get led outside by a Department of Labor employee to this special outdoor platform where they're given a code
0: word. Why do they need a code word?
1: Well, they need a code word or a phrase, they've used happy birthday before, to test out their microphones. Oh, is
0: the worry that the reporters might somehow signal using their little mic check, mic check, whatever they're going to say to signal what the jobs numbers are?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what they're afraid of. Jennifer Kaplan works at the Labor Department. She's one of the people who sometimes comes up with the code word. Here's what she's afraid of a journalist doing.
0: I might um, have a code word with my friend. I could say that word and my friend could be standing on a nearby balcony and be listening for that code word that means up or down, for example, and run off and, you know, make money off the numbers. So that's, that's the reason the code words are used and that they're changed.
1: That seems like a really remote possibility to me, though.
0: It may be. It may be. But when you're dealing with something as simple as numbers that has the potential to make people a lot of money, particularly if they have those numbers early, there's always the possibility that, that, that something like that could happen. And so we really do plan for any possibility. Caitlin, I have to say, even my limited brain can think of some pretty easy ways around that. Like you could say, you could say, happy birthday, or you could say, happy birthday. Yeah,
1: yeah. but you know, the reporters, they really don't want to lose this early access. And so they follow these rules to a T, even if it means a couple of seconds of dead air.
0: TBC's Hampton Pearson joins us now from the Labor Department with the numbers. Mr. Hampton. Up
3: 200,000. December non-farm
1: payroll. That was CNBC's Hampton Pearson covering December's release. And that was a Labor Department employee you heard in the background. He was literally counting down the seconds until Hampton Pearson was allowed to speak.
0: We go now to our very own Jacob Goldstein standing by with the numbers. Jacob, uh, happy birthday.
1: Five, four, three, two, one. Transmit.
2: Down 1.2 million. The U.S. economy lost 1.2 million jobs in the month of July, according to the big jobs. Wait, 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 wait. That is a
0: completely different number than everyone else is reporting. Everyone else is reporting that the economy gained 163,000 jobs, didn't lose one point whatever million. You trying to scare
2: the markets? <laughs> no. So, uh, so I am actually playing games here, but I'm playing a game for a reason. I have the report in front of me. And in fact, according to the government, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which puts out the jobs report, the U.S. economy actually did lose 1.2 million jobs in July. In June, there was 134 million. And in July. It was just under 133 million. The number of jobs in this country went down. The, the trick is, the game here is, what I'm reading are the not seasonally adjusted numbers. So this is just <laughs> basically, well, how many jobs are there? And what this report is telling us is there were actually fewer jobs in July than in June. But of course, this is not seasonally adjusted. And what we always hear, the numbers we report, the numbers everybody reports, those are the seasonally adjusted jobs numbers.
0: And th- this is one of the things that those economists are doing in that locked secret room is they are correcting these numbers because the raw numbers, the raw jobs numbers, they go up and down throughout the year, like around, you know, the holidays, the Christmas holidays. Uh, there's always a lot of hiring. It would, be, it would be sort of confusing, you know, if every November the jobs numbers started to spike up and you had to wonder, was that normal? Was it abnormal? So what they do is they try and correct for
2: that and and July is a is a particularly interesting month in this regard because every year school districts all around the country they have teachers retire and they have people who are just working during the school year so you see this huge amount of of job cuts basically from local public schools and then you know they hire a lot of those people back in the fall so there is this huge seasonal adjustment in July and that's that's what we're seeing in in these jobs numbers
0: so what actually happened this last month The economy lost a bunch of jobs, but not quite as many
2: as they expected, which is seen as slightly good news. Right. And I think there is a sort of broader takeaway from this. And that is we pay all this attention to this one number. You know, the traders like the guy at the top of the show are sitting there waiting for this one number, which is 163,000, which is not even – a real number, right? It's sort of this made-up number, and it's made up in good faith. It's like the best guess from a very good team doing, you know, really good work. But it's still a guess, and it's still not a real number. And it's really important to keep that in mind with the jobs numbers because of seasonal adjustment and lots of other things. There's a lot of noise from one month to the next. And yeah, over time, the jobs report is really good. It really shows you the picture of what's happening. But for any one month, it's really important to take this number with a big grain of salt.
0: As always, we'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you can send us an email, planetmoney at npr.org.
1: You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Spotify. We're out there, people. Get in touch. I'm Caitlin Kenny.
0: I'm David Kestenbaum. Thanks for listening.